The following podcast is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Coming to the microphone, hailing from Hayes, North Carolina, Playboy Brian Brickhouse. And his podcast partner, hailing from the Ozark Mountains, J.T. Hall. Together, they are known as Cake for Wrestling. This is Take for Wrestling, episode number six. I am Brian Kilby, and as always, I am joined by my friend and yours, JT Hogg. JT, how's it going? Pretty good, Brian. How are you doing today? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Just sitting here, uh, looking out my window, getting ready to... Excited about mowing, and I see beautiful blue skies, then out of nowhere, I hear the loudest thunder that I've heard in forever. So I'm, I'm guessing, like, in every spot but outside my window, it's dark. I hate that. Well, maybe it's WCW Thunder. Oh, God. Thursday Thunder. Thursday Night Thunder. <laughs> Thursday Night Thunder. Oh, my God. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, and the Barbarian. I, it, 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 I, I get it, but it amazes me how uh, WCW uh, Thunder really helped uh, expedite the end of WCW. Just with all the resources and everything that it took to put on another show, and they basically you know, didn't hire any more talent or anybody to do anything. So it's it's just funny how one little thing like that I pretty much helped undo WCW. <laughs> yeah. Uh let's see here. Uh blah 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 blah. Did uh, this when was the last time we spoke? Was had I already gone to uh the NWA uh Legends uh, Mid Atlantic Fan Fest? Oh no, you still gotta talk about that. That was a lot of fun. And I got to hang out uh with uh you know, a lot of wrestling fans, and just, it's kind of funny, like, when you're sitting in the crowd for a, a show, like, uh, Jim Ross's uh, show, or Tony Schiavone's, or uh, Jim Cornette's, which is my favorite, it's just funny how you're sitting there, and you know, as a fan, but you're surrounded by, like, all these uh, uh, wrestlers that, that you know, and you, you've been a fan of, like, Bobby Fulton was beside of me, um, goodness, uh, a couple other folks, uh, just you know, like just sitting there in the crowd, like all like just two seats over from me. It's just it it's just sort of humbling, uh, realizing that you're with uh, such greats, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It, it's I, I love going to conventions, but it's one of the best convention experiences that I've had. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been too many conventions. I've uh, the only wrestling convention. It wasn't really a wrestling convention. It was the Kentucky Comic Con, and I did uh, went to uh, Jim Cornette's like little panel where he talked. It was a lot of fun. So it was the the Kentucky Comic Con. Yeah, it was uh, five or six years ago. How many other wrestler uh, wrestling folk were there? Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was there. Oh, he's he actually remembered me he, from uh, uh, tags we used to do about oh. five or six years ago. Cool. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, Brutus Beefcake and uh, Greg Valentine, who looked like he was sleeping. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. It looked like, and uh, I walked in on, or Brutus Beefcake walked in on me while I was, I was uh, using the restroom, and that was, whenever you turn around real quick and see somebody like that, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I totally get that. <laughs> but yeah, so but, uh, I had a lot of fun at this thing. Uh, it I, looked like you did. Oh yeah, yeah, you saw all the stuff on Facebook. I, uh, I went, I, 
I really love Jim Cornette's podcast. I'm a big fan of that, and I got to see that uh, being recorded live. Uh, Jim Ross's stage show is phenomenal. Uh, it, heck, it, just in general, I mean, everything was just a lot of fun, and um, super, super pleased that uh, I went. And uh, you really need to go next year. Uh, definitely. I, you know what? I think I will uh, make that trip next year. You should. It, it's a lot of fun. Maybe we could do a live uh, take for wrestling. Oh, that'd be fun. And we could probably get some guests while we're there too. That's true. Uh, I'll be tagging, uh, actually tagging up with Bobby Fulton uh, this upcoming weekend. Really? In uh, Buchanan, West Virginia. So. Very cool. Uh, his his son was uh, his son was uh, carrying the mic around during uh, Jim Cornette's show and uh, doing a pretty poor job of it. So Jim was giving him grief. Uh, you should tell him that you heard that his son can't really carry a microphone too well. Which one was it? The uh, the brown haired or the blonde haired? I think he had brown hair. The brown, yeah, he's uh, he's he's actually starting to wrestle now too as uh, Fargo Fulton, oh, neat. Wild Man, Wild Man Fargo Fulton. Neat. And uh, yeah, he's a pretty good kid. Uh, he's he's uh, of course he's going to be pretty talented with uh, Bobby Fulton being his father and oh, everything. Of course. But uh, yeah, he's he's real uh, real meek backstage. And uh, when Bobby told me he was starting to be a wrestler, I was like, "Wow, uh, he's gonna have to really uh, get his personality up." But as soon as he gets out in the ring, he's just turns it on. So, and he's uh, real outspoken. He's starting to get more and more outspoken because I think he's only 16 years old right now. Yeah, he's a young kid. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, what's the gimmick of the week this week? The gimmick of the week is W was from WCW. And it's the Maestro. Okay, I don't you remember rem- that one at all. I do not. Uh, I. When did this happen? It was um, probably right around um, 90, 98, 99, 2000, around that era in WCW. It was more towards the end of WCW, of course. Okay. And um, the the Maestro is actually... Uh, related to Gorgeous George. Oh, cool. The original Gorgeous George. And he owned the name Gorgeous George at the time. And um, WCW, uh, if you remember Macho Man Randy Savage's one girlfriend, Gorgeous George, Uh that had something to do with it. Either he complained about them using the name, or what I think he did was I think he sold the name to WCW um, because he doesn't use it anymore. But uh, they, instead of giving putting it on him, they uh, put it on Randy Savage's girlfriend. That's, and that's unfortunate. He got the wonderful gimmick of the maestro. So what what, what did he do? The maestro is a funny. I remember watching um, Nitro when he debuted, and I thought I was dreaming because I would sometimes fall asleep during Nitro. <laughs> and... Uh, I remember having this dream of a piano being lowered from the ceiling and the maestro playing on it. This guy with big, like, bushy white hair. And for years I thought that was a dream, but it turned out to actually be something that actually happened. Because <laughs> that's, that's what his gimmick was. He was a, uh orchestra conductor. You're and, kidding. Uh, he, he had, like, the wild, white, bushy hair. His valet was symphony. And um, she was actually known as Ryan Shamrock in WWF during the Attitude Area. 
era, oh. if you remember her. Uh, vaguely. A member of uh, the Pretty Mean Sisters. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Team of PMS. But uh, his theme was a uh, kind of a remix of the uh, Mr. Wonderful theme. Do you remember that theme? Yeah. In WCW? Vaguely. But it was just like the orchestra version of it. Okay. Uh, Maestro wasn't real successful in WCW. I, I'm shocked. That's his gimmick. <laughs> Who was successful uh, in WCW, especially in the later years, besides Hogan? Yeah, very little. But uh, he, uh, his big uh, bright spot came with a feud with uh, Ernest the Cat Miller, and they had a match where um, the godfather of soul, James Brown, uh, came to the ring with the cat. It was at a WCW Super Brawl. I think that was in uh, 99. So that was his big, big moment was to perform with uh, James Brown. Okay, cool. But he actually had a pretty, uh, he was, uh, well, he still is a pretty good wrestler. Um, I run into him occasionally on shows, but he was in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling as uh, Robbie Eagle. And uh, he was one of the guys that would feud over the, uh, beat the uh, champ television championship matches that Mm -hmm. we were watching a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's about all we could say about the, the maestro was he unfortunately was uh had a, a gimmick that probably wasn't gonna get over very well. Yeah. Yeah. I WCW is awful. <laughs> Especially towards the end there. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I think he also feuded with, uh, I don't know if you remember Prince Ikea. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Do you remember when he was doing the uh, artist formerly known as Prince Ikea? He was doing the, like the, he came to the ring with a valet named Paisley and everything was purple. He feuded with the maestro too, I think over there, different musical styles. And that's always a pretty important feud. Okay, so let's go ahead and move to this week's uh, card. <sighs> I knew you liked this one. It just did not do it for me. This was uh, WWWF from uh, February 2nd? February 2nd? 20... Uh, 20. <laughs> no, <laughs> 1976. Not even close. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm surprised you didn't like this. This I had a lot of fun watching this, man. So I I stopped during uh, the <laughs> Ivan Putsky match. Uh, Ivan Koloff, that was the youngest I've ever seen him, so that was pretty awesome. But uh, and I just skipped around after that. But uh, first match, I mean, I I don't even know who this guy is. Fabulous Frank Monty versus Pete Sanchez. And I just noticed watching this last night, the high spot of the match was a head scissors. And it wasn't even like an especially good head scissors. It was just a, a head scissors. Well, it was a civilized match, if you listen to the ring announcer at the beginning. Yes. He's, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I really liked Frank Monty. He, uh, he was just a big, big, just uh, tough-looking... Uh, barrel-chested guy with beach blonde hair from Los Angeles. And I think back then, that was their uh, more like a dandy gimmick, like their feminine gimmick. Even though that 
you could not say that that guy was feminine whatsoever. Uh, and Pete Santa Sanchez, he had a uh, Lord uh, Farquaad gimmick from a uh, or Lord Farquaad haircut from Shrek. If you notice that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was supposed to be the uh, Mexican heavyweight champion. That's crazy. And um, he was pretty much just looked like he was a jobber, though. There, but, uh, like watching this card, there were only like four or five people that I actually knew who they were. Yeah. So Kevin Sullivan, uh, Freddie Blassie was he was a manager, uh, Lou Albano who was a manager, uh, superstar Billy Graham of course, uh, Ivan Putsky, Ivan Koloff, and Ernest. Uh, oh, actually, he wasn't even he wasn't even Ernie. He wasn't Big Cat Ernie Lad. He was he was uh, King Ernie Lad. Yeah, King I, Ernie. And I'd heard of Dominic Danucci. I just, I, th- I vaguely think I just don't know anything about him. So, uh, I guess about half of the people on here, I, I had an idea who they, who they were. But uh, just in general, I don't know, man. It's the style of this, it okay. So I made the com- comment that wrestling is really dependent on high spots right now, and that just there's been so much escalation over the years that uh, wrestling for me is kind of hard to watch. And in my mind. Like the best wrestling that you can watch is like something from the mid '80s uh, to early '90s uh, NWA style wrestling, uh, early Mid Atlantic style. But this is like an even sl- it's an even slower style than that. <laughs> but given the kind of people that Vince uh, wanted liked using in the uh, WWWF in the '80s, so guys who were typically like steroid monsters or just big dudes. I found this just like so hard to watch. Like just, it was, it was rough. So your sweet spots definitely in the eighties there. That's your wrestling's evolution. Sweet spot. If you, if you will. Yeah. I definitely like, I, I really, really enjoyed this show. I, it's, uh, I just like, like, the uh, finish to the first match, uh, Frank Monty versus Pete Sanchez, was a uh, boot to the face when he ran into the corner, yeah. and uh, Frank uh, Frank Monty was just I I really liked him for some reason I don't know if it's because he kind of looked like my uncle with the uh, blonde oh, hair oh, and I, the big yeah, beard, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> but he uh, I don't know I just I just like the style of wrestling a lot and. Um, It was just a, a lot of fun for me to watch. I, I could definitely see why this wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. I think I just really enjoyed like the simplicity of what actually got the crowd into it back then. And uh, Vince McMahon was the uh, commentator on it, and he was Joey Styles before Joey Styles was Joey Styles, the one-man commentating team. Yeah, and his commentary... Ugh. <sighs> Like it was never, it, it never got good. But I mean, he was basically using the same empty language that he was using throughout his later career. But at least he had other people to bounce off of. But in general, I think this may have been stronger than his work in the you know eighties and nineties. Of course, I'm certain at this point he had a lot less work on his plate that he had, than he had to worry about. Yeah, I was actually surprised because Vince McMahon, I never thought, was like a real great commentator. But he did a pretty good job for these matches. Of course, it's not like he had to call a bunch of different moves or anything. 
but uh, I think it was more of a slow pace for him, so you could keep up with it pretty easy. You got a lot of time to think in between moves. Yeah, like oh man, I, I don't. We normally just go through this match by match, but it's going to be so hard for me to do that. <laughs> uh, like I'm just jumping ahead to the midget match. Like he was all over the place in this. Uh, when I when I, I skipped to it uh, when you would ask me if I'd watched it, and I'm like, no. But I skipped it and I watched a few minutes of it. But that was so frantic that uh, he was kind of it seemed like he was having a hard time keeping up. Yeah, well, the midget match was definitely pretty fast paced. He uh, he made some uh, I think what would be considered uh, offensive comments today uh, by today's standards. Oh, I am certain. I am certain. <laughs> uh, I skipped ahead to the uh, superstar Billy Graham match, and it was interesting because I never noticed this. He referred to uh, superstars' arms as uh, pythons, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, you can definitely see where uh, superstar Billy Graham was influenced by, or Hulk Hogan was influenced by superstar Billy Graham. Absolutely. Definitely. And, of course, Jesse Body just straight up ripped him off. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, I said that Pete Sanchez was the Mexican heavyweight champion. I was wrong. It was Francisco Flores in the second match. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so about that, I guess. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> so they wrestled uh, Louis Sear. Uh, whose manager is Freddie Blassie, and I, I really like Freddie Blassie. I, I, you know, obviously by by the time that we were growing up, because we're basically the same age, uh, Freddie Blassie yeah. was more or less not on TV that much. Yeah, he was pretty much done by the time we we started being old enough to re, to watch wrestling. Right, but like, I, I went back, read his autobiography, and everything, and I just I I I really like Freddie Blassie, so it was good seeing him. And like, I'm that was lo- the man that could get some heat. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes from this, and the only thing I wrote about this match was, hey, look, it's Freddie Blassie. <laughs> well, I, I have a few. Uh, like, uh, that, the Louis Sierra had a coonskin hat, so he's already topping my book. And um, I just I noticed the difference between wrestlers then and now. It's so jarring. Um, everything about this match, like everything about this era is so jarring to watch when you just watch some recent wrestling, like the look, the movement, um, every, all the moves they do, everything, like even the, the people surrounding the ring, like it looks more, it looks more like a, uh, like an actual sporting event. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it was an actual contest, but the thing is, the thing is, uh, watching this, I mean, I saw, I saw some spots that didn't look that believable. I mean, the pace of it was kind of so slow that the spots that weren't like nice and tight just really stuck out. Yeah. But there are things I liked about it, uh, like the uh, Kevin Sullivan match. I thought Kevin uh, did a really good job, like with the monkey flip. He actually made that look like a an actual combat maneuver almost yeah that was uh that was pretty impressive uh i didn't recognize kevin sullivan when uh they when they first cut to the match i was like what i was like (laughs) but uh yeah it was funny that he was kind of considered the uh like the young cruiserweights at the time like the the exciting young fast wrestler yeah he was uh 230 pounds and he's, I mean, he's still a little flabby i mean it's not like he was you know in great shape yeah I've heard, I've heard stories about that he used to be ripped um i've never never actually seen photos or anything but uh you know 
Uh, he looked uh, he looked good, and he was obviously way faster than I've ever seen him move before. But you oh, know, yeah. but you do you notice that he lost to an atomic drop? <laughs> yes, and his sell of it was absolutely hilarious. Because he basically just plopped down, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. It was not that was not uh, a great finish. But uh, he he was wrestling. Uh, was it Spiros Arian? Yeah, uh, it was uh, Spiros Arian exactly. <laughs> yeah, he. I I did like uh, the uh, atomic drop. That was that was a pretty funny move to watch. Just uh, atomic drop as a finisher in general. Well, I mean, it goes back to how things have been uh, bastardized over the years. Uh, like used to be, you know, when we were younger, DDT was a finish. Now it's just a high spot. Uh, yeah, I, but it's just I, it's hard for me to comprehend that an atomic drop was a finish. Not necessarily that guy's finisher. I don't know. I don't know, but just that you could finish a match with an atomic drop. Yeah, I think uh, actually, I think Bob Backlund won a heavyweight title on an atomic drop. If that, I remember right, that, um, that is I've, so interesting. <laughs> well, I guess maybe if you need somebody in the small or the tailbone, it would shock them. I guess I I don't see how that would even work in uh, real life, but I mean, I guess it'd probably shock you a little bit to if, have a knee right to the small of your back, it could, or it could break your coccyx, your tailbone. Yeah, your that would coccyx. hurt. That would hurt like hell. I didn't know we were allowed to use that kind of language on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, it was it was cool seeing him young. Because I never thought he was young. Because he was—he seemed like he was old when I started watching wrestling. He was, <laughs> relatively <laughs> speaking. Uh, the next match was—I'm uh, I'm just going to call him Big Cat Nerdy Lad because that's what I know him as. Versus uh, Dominic Danucci. Um, yeah, that was a match. Now I—I I liked. Uh, well, I found it interesting. Vince McMahon was calling him Big Cat, but they called him uh, like when they announced. Him and when he won, they called him King Ernie Lad, but uh, Vince McMahon was calling him Big Cat throughout the. Uh... Now I wonder when was this commentary recorded? Was it? I mean, was this actually meant for TV? Or meant for consumption on TV? That is true. I mean, this commentary could have been recorded way later. Actually, I think there was. A, I think about it. I think there was a cable channel or something in New York for Madison Square Garden, that, and that may have been where the commentary came from. But I somehow doubt that Vince was actually there recording commentary. I, I'm certain it was probably done after the fact. Oh, yeah, this was definitely studio uh, recording. But, uh, yeah, they had, like, uh, Madison Square Garden. I think it was, like, a closed uh, – what were those old things called? Uh, it was before pay-per-view. But closed circuit. Yeah, closed circuit. I think they had, like, their own closed circuit TV station, kind of like pre-pay-per-view. That's cool. And uh, that's where a lot of these – that's because uh, I'm pretty sure they filmed every single one of these Madison Square Garden cards. Yeah, yeah. I and did. it was going all the way up until I think they stopped running there. Is Madison Square Garden still around? Yeah. Or they... Okay. Yeah, they they had they have they still have shows there. Yeah, I don't think they have like the as many shows as they used to, but because I mean, this was like a weekly event for them. Oh yeah, they don't run it weekly, but I mean they still yeah. have big big shows there. I mean they're not usually pay per views. I mean they're usually like big house shows, but they're big yeah. shows. Uh, but yeah, so I I I think Ernie Ladd won, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he 
of course, cheated, putting his feet on the ropes. He was a huge man. Oh yeah, six foot nine. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, uh, yeah. You're right. He did do the uh, leverage where he was pushing down because he had his. Yeah, you're right. That's that's what happened. It's actually funny because one of the notes I took on this was this match is everything great and what everything should be about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the heel cheated to win. Yeah. Well, I like because Ernie was such a big guy, but he still wrestled like a, a cowardly heel because he was almost as big as Andre the Giant. But he was still kind of cowardly in everything he did. And the way the crowd popped on everything he did. Like uh, every time he even reached for his tights because he had something in there he didn't even end up using. Um, I don't think I don't I don't think he used anything, but he uh, just the way they popped every time he just reached for his tights was just amazing. And um, Dominic Danucci was a pretty uh, popular wrestler at the time too. He was a big guy. Mm-hmm. He he uh, was from the Pittsburgh area. And uh, actually, I wrestled on a show with him about two to three years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, he's. I think he's in his uh, 80s now, but he he will still wrestle for uh, the. They do a Deaf Wrestle Fest, which is uh, run by Lord Zoltan. He does it every year, and it's a. Uh, it's just a big fundraiser they do for his uh, children are both deaf, and. Um, he does a fundraiser for their school and he usually has a bunch of guys cause he knows so many guys in the business. They'll come in for him. Like the, the show I was on, uh, the main event was a six man tag. It was, um, I don't remember everybody in the match, but I know Dominic Danucci and Shane Douglas was on one team. It was Don, Yeah, it was Dominic Danucci, Shane Douglas and, um, JJ Dillon against three other guys. Oh, wow. And uh, so that was pretty cool to see J.J. Dillon wrestle because he hasn't wrestled. Of course, he didn't really wrestle much in that match, but uh, it was just still cool to see him there because Dominic Danucci he trained uh, Shane Douglas and McFoley. Uh, he's trained a lot of guys in the in the wrestling business. Maybe, maybe that's why I knew knew of him. I because uh, he he I don't think he was wrestling in anything I watched growing up. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was uh, retired by that point. Okay. Uh, he he was probably retired by 82, 83, where he wasn't really wrestling any as much anymore. But uh, he was a pretty pretty big uh, pretty big name at this time. Of course, Ernie Ernie the Cat or uh, Lad was a big name too. He was uh, a guy that would go around and be a huge draw just because of his size. But uh, he acted like a uh, Shaft villain in the match. The way he was cool and had like the kind of that seventies uh, black black exploitation look to him at the time with like the the big afro and yeah. And uh, did you notice the uh, stunt granny at the end? I did not. I <laughs> I, I honestly split, was splitting my attention as this match was winding down between uh, this and assembling some furniture or something. Ah, yeah. I just, well, it just the whole whole thing couldn't hold my hold my attention. It was. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. It's it's not for everybody. I I absolutely loved it though. I think I just appreciated watching this a lot more. Because uh, just the 
all the nuances that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I really studied it too. And I'm going to remember a lot of this stuff. That's awesome. Start- <laughs> That's awesome. So, th- so hopefully this is helping me in my matches. Cool. Uh, next match was uh, Ivan Koloff versus Ivan Putsky. Uh, Ivan Putsky, I mean, I knew he, I remember him being a beast, but I didn't remember him being this big. I, actually, I think he got bigger than this potentially. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he was a beastly man. These were men. These were real men. <laughs> These are guys that could probably beat anybody up in a bar. Probably. <laughs> I, Who would mess with them? Yeah. Uh, like Ivan Koloff, I remember Ivan, you know, from about yeah, 10 years after this. And him being, you know, older and not 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 as um, uh, in good a shape as he was at this point. So he looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed this match a lot, too. Um, I mean, the crowd was just Putzky was over. He was uh, he was over huge. Mm-hmm. And everything they did, uh, every course, everything he did was just a huge pop. Um, I like the. uh it got a huge pop on a bear hug reversal. That's crazy. So I, so I watched like the first two minutes of this, and then I just I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so I started skipping around. So you're gonna have to talk me through this. What happened? Well, they were doing a uh, uh, I've uh, they did a probably about a, a four minute uh, cool off had Putsky in a bear hug, and uh, he was almost like just almost breaking out of it each time. And then uh, Koloff would do something dirty and pull him back in. But finally, when he did reverse it and put him in the bear hug, the crowd just blew up. And um, this match uh, ended in a, a count out. The uh, count outs were a lot different back then. They would count you out on the apron. And it was a real fast count, too. Like It was like one, two, three, four, five. Like uh, So count outs were a lot quicker. I mean, count out, being counted out on the apron, I think it's fair. I, that, are, yeah. Being on the apron now is considered being in the ring. Yeah, they don't really count. Uh, they don't really count you on the apron anymore. Like, you could get counted out just standing on the apron, like uh, uh, checking on your head back in, back in this time. That's interesting. Yeah. And again, I think that it... I think this may opened up a lot more stuff for stuff to be more special and um, stuff to get bigger reactions from the crowd. So, so when like people did finally fight on the outside of the ring, it was a big deal because uh, a lot of people didn't see stuff like that. So I think this is another example of letting when you let the rules go, it kind of create it makes it harder for the performers in the ring to get a reaction out of the crowd. Yeah. And um, so you uh, you miss the uh, the BS chant at the end then. Really? During the yeah. They chanted that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they were chanting it. <laughs> I was I was uh, surprised. I was like, what are they? Are these? Yeah, yeah, they are. So I bet that was pretty risque for the seventies. It is. It is. It is New York though. That's true. They were they were always ahead of the time. What was what, I was go ahead. I was waiting for a UF'd up chant, but that didn't happen yet. Yeah. Uh, what was the next match? The midget match. The world famous midgets match. <sighs> <laughs> did you did you make it through this one at all? I I, I looked at it for about fifteen seconds, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> it looks like every other midget match I've ever watched. 
Yeah, it was Little Johnny, Billy the Kid, versus Little Louie and the Coco Kid. And this was definitely the most uh, politically incorrect match on the card. But they are uh, tough. Uh, is uh, midget still an accepted term, or don't they like to be called little people now? I think it's or? little people. Okay. I, hopefully we're not offending anybody out here. But um, yeah, We're using they, the term in its uh, archaic sense. So That's right. Were uh, da- uh, they were some tough little guys, like they even they looked manly, manlier than a lot of today's wrestlers. That's what was so. It was just so jarring to see like the real men wrestlers of then, and now you look at all the wrestlers today, and they're just not tough looking anymore. I think the majority. I mean, there's a few out there that are still tough looking, but. Like, I think most of the people in the crowd think that they could probably beat him up, you know? Yeah. And um, I, there's, like, I think uh, basically Rusoff, I mean, Rusoff looks like one of these guys. Yeah. I think Rusoff could have definitely done pretty well back in this era. But, of course, it's the crowd just, I don't know if the crowd even wants to see that anymore. I think they've been so desensitized to stuff like that. But um, the the midget uh, the midget matches, uh, I think this was where Vince McMahon said uh, when the Coco Kid had uh, one of the other guys in a headlock, he's like, that Coco Kid has some teeth on him. Huh. <laughs> and um, this is too is like I think our uh, our PC society has ruined stuff like this because you can't, you don't really see stuff like this as much anymore. And um, I think, too, like, uh, it cost the performers, too, a lot of money. Because these guys didn't have any problem with what they were doing. The the uh, little people in these matches. And they made a lot of money off this stuff. That's true. It's kind of like, a, I always thought about, like, I'm not trying to go on, like, a, a rant of a PC rant at all. But, like, the, uh, if you remember the old uh, freak shows. Yeah, of course. Those the those performers in those freak shows were rich. Most of them, they made tons and tons of money. Of course, they were the ones that were taken advantage of and stuff. Yeah. But they're uh, like that guy, the the worm guy without any arms or legs. He was uh, one of the richest people in the country at the time. And he had kids too, right? Oh yeah, he had like sixteen or seventeen kids, and I. I think it, when people started trying to say that that wasn't that was exploitation and stuff, they took away the living of a lot of people like that. Because if you can make a good living doing something, using your talents, or even using your disabilities, why take that away from somebody? That was uh, Prince Randian, if I, if I remember correctly. Yep, that's right. Yeah, and I think he was actually something royal, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, or something. I don't know if he actually is royal or not. <laughs> the old, uh, the old freak show uh, things fascinate me, like the old stories and stuff. I don't. I mean, what I know about freak shows, I know basically from the movie Freaks, which is awesome. If anybody, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, if anyone out there has never uh, watched that before, and basically that one episode of X Files. <laughs> yeah, that movie Freaks is crazy. 
I think it was uh, it was one of the very first movies to be banned. I think wasn't it in a lot of places? Was it banned? I think it yeah, was. yeah, because it was it was so uh, terrifying to the people. That's funny. But actually, the uh, freaks in it weren't the bad guys. No, was, they were the heroes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I think that that that's where society's just gotten out of out of hand, and it and it it costs it costs people it costs a lot of people their living. Um. I think they're I think they're starting to go back to it with reality television a little bit more. So maybe it maybe it'll even out. Yeah. Well but what was the next match? The uh the next match was uh Bruno versus Graham. Bruno San Martino versus superstar Billy Graham. So oh I oh yeah. Actually he uh, Billy Graham did wrestle Bruno. Um so what was one nine hundred nine 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 or no no one nine hundred hot Bruno. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was his uh, wrestling hotline, like from the from the from the nineties. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. One nine hundred <laughs> hot Bruno. What uh, if that still works? I'm certain it doesn't. Probably get something you probably wouldn't want today. Yeah, I'm certain. But uh, the crowd was rabid for this match. Of course they were. I mean, it was Bruno San Martino. <laughs> They had uh, technical difficulties in this match, um, kind of like like they did for uh, the one we watched last I, week. The... I, I literally just skipped through this one. So what what was the uh, what was the uh, technical difficulty in this? It just uh, it kept cutting out, and they kept going to stills over the uh, commentating. Oh, okay, so that was lost. I, I mean, especially this really old footage relatively old footage it's amazing that any of it is still around so yeah i uh i'm surprised that they still have a lot of this stuff actually like because uh, they weren't really thinking about preserving stuff back then it's kind of like uh i was reading about the uh how many doctor who episodes that they just recorded over and uh a lot of stuff like that's recorded over um i think like they've lost like a whole bunch of soap operas and stuff because they just weren't thinking about keeping this stuff for they're probably thinking who's going to want to watch this 50 years later yeah you know exactly they didn't realize that there's going to be people like us out there still watching so it. tell me about the match uh it was it was a good fight uh it was uh it was actually pretty fast paced um and the crowd was just going nuts especially during uh bruno when he was making his comebacks and um it was just it was just a hard hitting fight that uh ended uh when the referee stopped the match because uh graham was busted open and um the referee stopped the match due to the blood which i thought was pretty pretty interesting yeah because of course, during when I watch wrestling the most, they didn't usually stop matches for blood. Yeah. But if you're presenting it as a real sporting event, you probably you would do this. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Bruno was uh, Bruno was a beast. Mm-hmm. Man, he was a big barrel-chested man. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of weird because we all when we we think about like the top guys in wrestling, it's uh, like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that, and like Ric Flair. And um, I think Hogan was talking about how when he became a uh, WWF, when he first started in WWF, like it was all like uh, smoke filled arenas mm-hmm. and uh, they weren't drawing big houses. And uh, I 
listened to an interview with Bruno San Martino, and he was like, "I," he was like, "They had to stop running the garden when Hogan and those guys took over." He's like, "We were selling it out weekly." He's like, "We sold out Shea Stadium." Yeah, with uh, Larry Sabisco, mm-hmm. and I mean, these guys were drawing some houses, and uh, they were making tons of money. Like Bruno was a huge star. And uh, superstar Billy Graham influenced so many wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of interesting. I, I think it depends on which era you grew up in you th- to think about these guys and how big of stars they are. Because, of course, on res- if there's a wrestling route, Mount Rushmore, we'd put uh, Hogan, Flair, uh, probably Steve Austin, The Rock, and Undertaker. But just go back a few years earlier, it would be like Bruno, uh, probably superstar Billy Graham, like uh, Luthez, all those guys. No, Luthez was a little before that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could even go far back as the, uh, was that Frank Gotch? Yeah. That was, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it, I, I enjoyed the match. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't a real great match, but I'm sure it was probably just a build up match because uh, Graham, I think beat Bruno not too long after this for the title. So what in heck was up with this uh, main event? Well, uh, oh, you you uh, must have completely skipped over the Irish Patty Barrett versus Baron Miguel Sinuka match. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Tell me about it. Well, there's nothing really to say about it. It was pretty boring. Uh, actually, I have the notes on here. It was the first boring match on the card. Um it's where I was questioning the positioning of the matches. Does it? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The so, crowd, because the crowd was dead after the Bruno match. I think they were just done. I, 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 yeah, I skipped ahead of the main event. It looked like it was a guy that looked like Haystacks Calhoun, which I know it wasn't. Uh, but I, like, I don't even know who the guy was. Who? What, oh, who? Jerry, Jerry the Crusher Blackwell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Bobo Brazil Jr. and Tony Parisi, which I've never heard of him. Versus uh, Jerry the Crusher Blackwell and Bugsy McGraw. And uh, Jerry the Crusher Blackwell, he uh, gained most of his fame in AWA. He was uh, he would feud with um, usually the top baby faces in there. And uh, he was just a big guy. That was, of course, I like uh, Jerry the Crusher Blackwell because I think he is proof that I would have been pretty good in the 70s and 80s. Because uh, me and him are pretty similar mm-hmm. in look and style, and um, Bobo uh, Bugsy McGraw, he was—I've heard his name before, but I never actually saw him work. And um, of course, Bobo Brazil Jr. is a legend. And um, this, yeah, like I think uh, Tony Parisi was tag team champions with another guy, and this was going to be a tag team title match, mm-hmm. but it turned out. Uh, like the other guy got stranded in Montreal, so Bobo filled in for him. It wasn't great. It was. Uh, I think the last two matches on this card were definitely letdowns. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like I, I, I maybe Bruno had to leave early or something. Uh, heck, it's possible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he. Uh, it it wasn't a good tag match. It was it was weird. There was a two out of three falls match and the faces swept them. Um, it didn't make didn't make the heels look any good at all. Which honestly, if one of the tag team 
uh, champions couldn't make it, they should have had the heels go over so they could bring it back for an actual tag team title match. But um, I'm not sure if uh, guys like Boba Brazil were real keen on doing jobs back then. Probably not. Because <laughs> I know you probably had to you had to probably pay Bruno San Martino probably five times extra to lay down for somebody. So I will be completely honest. I did not care for this card. Uh, not my thing. But you know what? Next week, we're going to be talking about Starcade 85. And that's one of my favorite. Uh, it's got some of my favorite matches ever. So I, I'm super that'll excited. Get you, that'll get you back into it, huh? Yeah, I will. Def- I mean, I was I was even watching Starcade '85 a couple weekends ago with with the wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. So, is uh, your wife a wrestling fan? Yeah, somewhat. Uh, I mean, there there are wrestlers that she likes. Uh, she really was watching wrestling in the Attitude Era, so that's sort of what she knows. Ah. But uh, she could really appreciate the uh, Dusty and Rick match at the end. And one of my all-time favorite matches is on this. It's the Magnum uh, TA Tully Blanchard match. So, well, they actually uh, mentioned Ric Flair on this show. Uh, did they? Yeah, uh, they were talking about the card for the next week, and Ric Flair was going to be on it. Wow! So uh, they said he's a a rising up and comer from uh, Minnesota, Ric Flair. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Because Ric Flair was on a WWF Madison Square Garden show. Well, I mean, WWF, <laughs> uh, they paid into the NWA, so yeah, they they could have uh, matches in. But I think, from what I understand, the only time uh, they really bothered to, to do much with the NWA is when they could basically, uh, you know, utilize Bruno. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it's, it's just it's just interesting. I'm glad they did preserve all these matches because it's just an interesting time in wrestling. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I want to uh, revisit any, any of this. <laughs> well, we won't make you have to do any unless you make me do another ECW show. We won't have to do I, another I pro- show. I, from I, the I promise. I promise. <laughs> uh, so, JT, how do people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me on uh, Facebook. Was uh, it tfradio.net slash hogg? Yeah, I created the shortcut to your uh, Facebook fan page so that uh, people don't have to remember the whole URL. <laughs> well, you uh, you got to say the second G with a smile. Remember yeah. that. You're on Twitter too, right? Uh, yeah, I ha- I don't tweet much. I'm not very twit proficient, proficient, but I will be making an attempt to be a little bit more active on Twitter. But uh, you can be able to pick up, uh, find out what shows I'm doing, if I'm coming anywhere near in your town, or uh, buy buy my merchandise, which uh, I have some pretty cool shirts I up love for sale. Shirts. Yeah, I love your shirts. <laughs> and you never know, there might even be a Take 4 Wrestling shirt someday. Oh, man. Maybe. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at BKilby, and uh, you can find all of our other podcasts, which we normally cover geek stuff at tfradio.net. Or on Twitter at TF Radio or Facebook.com slash TF Radio. So I'm excited about next week and Starcade. I'll have way more to talk about. Uh, sorry for sort of being uh, like blah about this one. But man, this really didn't do anything for me. <laughs> well, at least I enjoyed it. This would have probably been a pretty crappy podcast if we both wouldn't have finished it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized that about 20 minutes in. I'm like, oh, no. 
<laughs> it's like you're going to have to cover this one yourself. Okay, well, JT, until next week, we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Take 4 Wrestling. Boo!